2: What's going on everybody? Welcome to episode 292 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles, joined as always, and now always via satellite Willie Sailor. We've got Willie on the line. Nomad back in the mix. He was stranded
1: in Rochester, Minnesota. Not a bad place to be (laughs) stranded, mind you. More so Minneapolis, but yeah.
2: Oh, it was Minneapolis. Yes. Okay.
1: We 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 took the thirty-four second flight from Rochester to (laughs) Minneapolis.
2: At that, at some point, it's just teleportation, yes, right? Uh, it's not a flight.
1: You, I feel as though the plane could have driven to Minneapolis. Yeah, faster. just they
2: should just have connecting runways. Yes, it'd, be, it'd probably be much safer. But
1: oh. unfortunately, we left two hours late, so we had to stay in Minneapolis another night. Me and Spay had a few, few hams. Uh, threw that on the, the IG story, and apparently the Midwest goes crazy for hams.
2: What, what are hams? Now hams it's, is not a pork product.
1: No, it is a very cheap, but uh, rather. Uh, value Beer.
2: Oh, Value Beer. Okay, yes. well, I know you and Spay love love Values as much as the next guy. Yes. So Willie yesterday um, dropped a really cool um, recruiting, I guess, breakdown, anal- analyzation, I don't know how you would describe it, Willie, of the last 10 years of NCAA wrestling recruiting. A lot of pretty cool information. It, what I found more interesting than anything, Willie, as I looked through this, and if you haven't seen it, it's on the site. It's called A Decade of Recruiting. Right now, it's on the homepage with a picture of Tom Ryan Tervel. But So we knew Penn State, Ohio State, doing the best job recruiting, right? It's like, okay, duh. But what I was most interested in, in looking at was the recruiting average versus the NCAA average. And to mm-hmm. me, you're doing a good job if your recruiting average is higher than your NCAA average. But, like, the fourth-ranked team, Nebraska, had a 7.1 – average for recruiting classes but a 10.8 for their ncaa average and that's not i don't think that was even the worst one um i'm trying to think of, of the other ones um but that what that really stood out to me and then one that stood out the other way two actually one cornell whose recruiting mm-hmm. class average was 13.2 but their ncaa average is 5.2 which is insane yeah and then missouri Kind of, we've always known Missouri. Um, it, sometimes their recruiting classes get marginalized as like they get all these diamonds in the rough. Meanwhile, they've had guys like Jaden Cox and Daniel Lewis. They've had like blue chip guys, <laughs> Willie Micklus, as well. But to see them come in with 19 as their recruiting class average and their average NCAA finish of 10.4 is really amazing. And especially, especially when you consider how many recruit, how many years like they've really been in the trophy mix as well the last. I don't know, I want to say five years. They've been really in the mix. So, Brian Smith and company doing an amazing job of recruiting, according to Willie's
0: article. Yeah, I mean, that's what, that was one of the most salient points to me, too, is I think, mean, look, I just wanted to look at the recruiting classes over the last 10 years, and then when I started, I, I didn't have any expectations, really. And then when I started digging into it, these kind of dorky stat numbers kind of, Uh, made themselves uh, appear, you know, and uh, Nebraska was slightly above like you said, um, and a a large part of that, though, as I I explained in the article, um, they did have a lot of guys that were quote-unquote misses, Mm -hmm. um, but they also got elevated probably more than anybody um, based on transfers, right, like like that that one summer, um, Tyler Caldwell said he was. I mean, it was announced. There was articles about it. It was confirmed he was going to Nebraska, and so their recruiting class ranking got a boost for that. I mean, he was a well, turning into a champ uh, runner up, um, but he never stepped foot on campus there. Um, and then probably the, another class that got overvalued for for them that kind of is a little misleading is, is the one with. Downey and, and McCully, which, you know, never amounted to anything, uh, like, at Nebraska. Um, yeah, I think, but, and man, then if you look at Nebraska,
2: their attrition rate is really high. I mean, Jason Rinneria right now is leaving. I mean, they've had a lot of guys transfer out of there. It's really, mm-hmm. uh, I that don't was, know, it's, to me.
3: That was my big takeaway from the article, too, is how much turnover they've had over the years.
2: I bet, Willie, I, I'm sure this is not fun for you to say, Brian Snyder coaches there, that, I don't think another school has had that turnover rate to the negative quite like Nebraska has. Would you agree?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a a lot of talent, Um, and I don't know how many people uh, remember exactly where guys were 10 years ago, right? Um, I mean, you talk about a senior in high school 10 years ago or 8 years ago, and and you kind of lose – the gauge of where they were. But you, you take a guy like Keith Serber, Keith Serber was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, CJ Napier won Fargo. You know, he, he, in a great bracket, he beat Josh Jebba in the finals. Um, CJ Napier was really good. But now I don't know exactly what, what happened with Serber, but um, CJ Napier came in and. It, it's weird because some of these guys, he immediately didn't work, right? He immediately – he just wasn't going to work in college. Um,
2: well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's an mean, issue. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, part of being a coach is that, I mean, it's, it's certainly – got to be able to identify that, right?
0: It, I mean, part of it is, be, is identifying it, sure. Uh, it, it's weird because, you know, there's guys that are really good in, in high school and – Sometimes you just never know. I mean, remember when Iowa got Baldacero? Baldacero, the time he got him, was right number one in the country. Yeah. Um, And and some of these guys, you know, some of these guys get on campus and you have to acclimate them and they end up working out. Some of them step on campus and they're not going to, it's not going to happen. It's not like wasn't going to happen, right?
2: Yeah and I think it's interesting um, in spite of that class almost completely just, you know not panning out for Iowa them coming in at 8.6 recruiting average 3 for the NCAA average I mean, that's the highest NCAA <laughs> average of any other team it's amazing
0: yep straight up
2: how how well, do, how did they not have a higher NCAA how does Penn State not have a higher NCAA average i get i guess we're still Sunderland era to a degree but
0: man. Well, there's, there's, yeah, the the first year that the first year that Kale was there, they had a really high um, NCA finish, so that skews some stuff. Um, and and the first couple years of the decade that I looked at, uh, I had excellent finishes, right? So, um, <laughs> but overall, overall they averaged th- third for the decade. That's crazy. Okay. And like you said, um, Cornell and and um, and Missouri were the ones that had a, a great differential between what their recruiting classes are and what their NCAA finishes are. And put in the article, you know, Cornell has had a lot of guys, a lot of really blue chip guys go there that didn't work out. Yeah. Um. And and actually, if you look at Nebraska, <laughs> their success came with like. James Green,
2: Taylor Vins,
0: uh, Burroughs, t- Taylor Vins, Jordan Burroughs, and Craig Brester.
2: Yeah, these were these were like nobody's coming out, okay. and then Nebraska so, gets upset. So that's, that's a really weird dynamic. It's like they do better with the <clears throat> under-the-radar yeah. guys. The blue chippers are their kind of swings and misses.
0: Right, so they get all these blue chipper crews, and they do a good job turning um, the under-the-radar guys into, into things. So... Um, similarly, Cornell has had a lot of misses with blue chip guys. Um, now, Villa Long and Gray both had solid careers, but not what you would have expected them coming in. Um, Joey Galasso, I thought was going to be really solid. Uh, I thought he would be a perennial AA contender. Alex Cisneros didn't work out. You you can't, hey, Willie, you can't
2: predict that... Uh, I, I'm not going to hurt him for Cisneros. You, you, you never know when a guy's going to want to go and start his own multi-level marketing thing. That's, I'm not going to do that for that one. I think
0: that's, I think that's a, a, a clue, a, a sign to all coaches in the country. Make sure when you're recruiting blue chip guys that they do not want to start a Ponzi scheme.
2: Yes. <laughs> if you do, it's not going to work out. Um, no. Citing Alex Cisneros. But yeah, you're right. I I couldn't believe. So, so they I... had a lot
0: of guys like that, but then <laughs> listen, they got they got tons of miles out of Simas and Bozak and and Gabe Dean.
2: Yeah,
0: I mean Gabe Dean's a guy... He didn't, he didn't win a state title senior year, right? So no, know? he's pretty good. Um, and then you look at Missouri. Missouri's the the, the final one. Uh, I think we should talk about. It, um, they do it with a lot of mid-tier guys. Over the course of the decade, they only had one top 20 recruit, and that was Jaden. Now, they had a, other, a couple other 25s. Um, Daniel Lewis was exactly 25, I believe. Um, Austin Myers was actually another 25. Whoops. Um, Jaden was like 30. Uh, Jaden Ironman. But they do it with a lot of mid-tier guys. Uh, maybe Nicholas was top 25. They do uh they do with a lot of mid tier guys and you know they also look they took Houdashel shell was like number fifty they took him to the finals. LeVon Mays wasn't even ranked they took him to the finals. So. They now
2: Alan up. Waters I feel like he was a I think he was a four time state champion I forget where he was. I feel like he wasn't the bluest of the blue chipper but he was a known guy coming in.
0: Yeah he was thirties he was in the thirties. Gotcha gotcha. He had excellent. Allen one is an
2: excellent far those. That's what I was going to say. Is I was
3: really surprised that Missouri didn't bring in. or Jaden was the only top twenty recruit they brought in during that uh, uh, ten year span or whatever. And uh, Austin Myers, uh, he went. To, he transferred in from West Virginia, so it's not like he was really part of a real recruiting class with them.
0: hmm And and Leaf was a top. Uh, 40 guy that also transferred in if you look probably more than any other state or any other school missouri is sort of really dependent on in-state recruiting now they've had you know going back they've had their Matt Pels and Ben asking and access well m- most of their guys have been in-state guys
2: yes very good point very good point
0: i really
1: Stay- like seeing how like because in, in college football, right, you can bring in 25, 30, 35 guys every year. So it's like the same people year after year at the top. Um, and obviously, you know, Penn State and Ohio State are, are doing really well, but they'll have, you know, a down year, right? Penn State has, has an 18 in there, right? Ohio State's got a couple nines, some eights. Um, so it's like very cyclical, and you can kind of see what years are really strong and what, what, what coaches really target really strong years. Um, and and kind of also, will you get to see, um, when there's when there's small classes right like you have the the nato bojo class that was basically the only two guys that are really high value um as opposed to and, and this is something that, that a lot of people have when you when you do recruiting rankings that they kind of pick apart is like the 30 through 80 range the you know 25 through 60 range whatever whatever it is on either by your basis like those are your those are your big hits and misses like if those guys pan out in the same way that the top 20 do, uh, then it becomes a star recruiting class. And, and if not, then you just kind of wasted money, uh, for lack of a better word, on, on a guy that you thought you could at least get four-year production, multiple NCAA so qualifiers, you know, All-American status out of.
2: Is there a way to know, Willie, and I think you can kind of extrapolate a little bit from, from the top table in, in your article, but, like, who perennially gets the best on paper recruits and does the least with them and vice versa or can we just take this table and say this is pretty much it <clears throat> well like, who finds like so, I, i'm just thinking about like nc state missouri etc what are the teams that really find those guys on a on a consistent basis who finds those gems the best other than i guess cornell's in there too
0: um i think uh, I think NC State has done has done well. Um and it should be interesting. I, I don't think for one second that NC State's uh this this trend of finding mid tier guys that do well, I don't think that's gonna fall off. Um but Frank Beasley was a man uh, at identifying them yeah. and identifying those kind of guys early. Uh I think it's interesting to, to watch that going forward. Um I think Lehigh sometimes has those has those guys, too, that they bring in that are, like, under the radar. They're not elite, elite blue chippers. Uh, you look at the Robert Hamlins, and, and even right, Ryan Fresh hasn't, um, he hasn't AA yet, but he's had a heck of a career for a guy that was like a mid-level recruit. Um, Nate Brown Max even, Marshall, right? Nate was Nate was up there. He was like top five in his weight. He might have been like a 35-ish gotcha. kind of guy. Gotcha. But um, Max Wessel, you know? I mean, he, they took him to All-American Jazz. Um I, I think those are the kind of programs hey, what that if, have... What if you did
2: this, Willie? What if you... Um, this, this sounds like a, a major project, but uh, I'll just throw it at you, and you can just do it. It'll be great. You'll love it. But what if you, like, what if you redid, like, the top 100 big boards for, like, every year? Then you could really see, like, the jumps. And, mm-hmm. like, I bet then we would have even clearer picture of, uh, of the recruiting landscape. Maybe that's a down-the-line project we can, yeah. we can work on. But that, I would love to see that, like, redoing yeah. the top 100 recruits. I think it's something Earl Smith has done with a few classes mm-hmm. in the past. and It is really, it's really cool to look at the two classes side by side.
0: Right, yeah, I, I think that's something we, we should start doing, those rewind, rewind features and, and seeing how you know how they were ranked, how the individuals were ranked and how they ended up, and how the recruiting classes as a whole were ranked and how they ended up. Um, I think that, uh, the, the thing that's very clear, you asked about who, who has gotten in the most and did the least with, and it's, I mean, it jumps right off the page this year. It's Iowa State over the past decade. They have gotten a ton yes. of top 100 guys, and they haven't done a whole lot now. They, they've they had so much flux. You know, they're the only school on the list that has undergone two coaching changes. So,
2: yeah, but it's, um, yeah, I, I think there was a lot of, I don't know, p- poor production from those Iowa State guys. But I think with Dresser and company, that ship will get right. And I think you, you see guys right. like gomez and Carr are really going to pay dividends and kind of shift that number in the in the other direction
0: um,
2: that, um the final thing i
0: think to to uh think about is i get the top 12 those the, the teams in the list were the top 12 recruiting average class teams over the decade i think that it it's very interesting to pay attention going forward over maybe the next decade. I think NC state will move up into that top 12 tier um, because the last like five or six years have been good. But uh, you know, Papalizia has not been there long. (laughs) Uh, So the, the the classes before that under Carter Jordan were not strong. Um, And then, you know, he's just getting started, but, Wisconsin, I think Bono will start recruiting well.
2: Yeah, you know, and the cupboard is not empty there. If you look at their lineup top to bottom, there's basically a known guy at almost every weight for them. I, I, mm-hmm. I think kind of Wisconsin was doing an underrated recruiting job there uh, to begin with, and I think Bono and Reader and company are really going to um, pour a little gasoline on that fire and, and get some more really tough guys in there. I mean, Bono had Rob and Lloyd Committed to South Dakota State, it would stand reason that mm-hmm. Wisconsin, um, you know, is just a better draw right now, right? So the, mm-hmm. he's going to be able to get those guys in, in the future. I, th- I think we will in fact see that. So it's really interesting, and I'm I'm glad you referred to NC State. I was just sitting and thinking the other day just about the job that they've done there. I mean, Nick Renan is in Final X; he's in the finals. Hayden, yeah. Hayden Heidley, who was in this mix with the Kemmers and the Josephs and Freddie Strokers and those kind in that kind of mix and he has just emerged as this like super solid guy. I mean they're just getting the most out of him and then you see a Tariq Wilson type of guy and a Sean Fowles type of guy. Uh Machiavello. Machiavello, right? Machiavello. And unranked unranked. Yeah unranked NCAA champion. Won the and so I'm thinking NC State, Pat Popolizio, is, is this a team? Can, should we start realistically talking about them as a team that can win an NCAA title in, in within five, ten years? I really think they can. The, the more I'm thinking about it, the more you look at the production, the recruiting, and the under-the-radar recruiting, I really think NC State is a place where you can obviously win national titles individually. Therefore, can you not also say, man, you can win a team title in Raleigh, North Carolina.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think they'll start contending for it. Um, now, they they lost a little bit this class. But, sure. yeah, I mean, they're only going to... They've been doing it with under-the-radar guys, uh, uh, lower-ranked guys, right? They've been doing it with Kevin Jackson, Mike Machiavello, um, and uh, Sean Fawkes. Uh, now, they're going to start... They're going to start getting blue-chipers in. Like, I mean, Hayden, right? Hayden and Nick Greenan were the first real studs they'd run in. So, well, I mean, other than Gwynn,
1: but he came with
0: them. Um, So, yeah, I think think if they can coach up the mid-tier guys, wait till they get the blue-chip guys.
2: Yeah, I just – I'm a huge believer in process and, like, a plan. I think Penn State right now, not only do they recruit well, I think they have the best – process the best system, right? I'm that's what I think wins at this level. And I think you want to talk about one of the best systems in the country, it's N C State, right? And as they continue to get high level wrestlers, that's only going to get exaggerated. They're only gonna produce better and better. So I I'm really excited to watch them and seeing them able to translate it from college success to the international level is is really exciting too. I do not yep. think
1: NC State can win a national title, and it has basically nothing to do with Poplezio and his coaching staff and, and the the donors he has around him and, and the process that he has. Um, there have only been twelve schools that have won a D one national title. You know, Cornell has has never cracked that. Missouri has never cracked that. Um, and I just I, there's there's so much of a head start when you look at Oklahoma State, Iowa. Penn State, um, Ohio State in terms of history, and in terms of, of money. And I, I have nothing against it. I think it would be amazing if NC State were able to accomplish that. And, and I think it would be great for the sport to have more teams win national titles. Um, but right well, now, though, the way the landscape is, they are like, they're like like they're capped out at, at second.
2: I think it, it's it's a matter Penn State can win it every single year, basically, that they choose to. Um, so it, it's going to be a lightning in a bottle type of thing. NC State teams like Cornell Cornell had their chance to win NCAAs they could have won in 2011 they just didn't okay the guys didn't um, wrestle as well as they could have but they could have that was like their year and NC State will probably have a year like that and they're gonna have to put it all together but they can do it I, I think I think the sport is changing and I think the landscape is changing and you know Arizona <coughs> State has won a national title and while I think the Big Ten Ohio State Iowa Penn State Certainly they're always gonna have an advantage. I think there's room. When there's only 10 weights, I don't know, I think a a team like that can do it, and you're probably right. Um, But just the more I think about it. Well, I
0: mean, remember, Ohio State won a title with 104 points. Yeah.
2: Yeah, 104, that's not many. So it's gonna be fun to watch those teams as they continue. Um,
1: And then didn't win a title with 133.
2: Yeah, and then 133. Didn't quite get it done, yeah. And, and this was probably a super year. I'm curious if we'll ever see a team race like that again. But 100 points is typically going to put you in the mix, right? Um, and, and I think even Penn State, you know, they're going to come back down somewhat, right? They do not have, a, in my opinion, a replacement for Zane, Nolf, uh, Bo, right, when those guys are gone. Like, Zane's gone. There's no rep- replicating. That guy was you you put up his score for four years i mean he's one of the best to ever do it right and it's gonna be similar with Bo and similar with jason nolf and as good as rby gavin beard are i don't think they're those guys now the one guy i think could the the next like bonus point machine and i think we should talk about him now is aaron brooks and just how freaking good that guy is i going into the open I was like yeah really good probably a good chance to win it but I thought Mike Labriola it would be too much for him physically I thought man that guy's been in the college room against really really good guys I favor Labriola and he teched him and then he sat out to the finals and Labriola once again looked really really good against everyone else and even gave Brooks a really tough match and then still the guy is too much the guy has too many ways to score this guy is wrestling in Hagerstown in Maryland guys when he gets to Penn State, I mean, he's gonna go out to the OTC a year, I guess. That's gonna be really good for him. Then he's gonna to go to Penn State. I think he is the next Nolf Zane bonus point machine. And I don't even know if he has that turn ability just yet. And I don't know if he has the seven minute go 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 stuff like Nolf or Zane may have. But I think if you're looking for the next guy, I think he's he's
1: it, right? Yeah. I agree. Um, the, the thing with, uh, <coughs> Penn state, so there's, there's two things, right? The, that was the, the, they can't replace, um, North nickel Zane was kind of the refrain after Taylor ed mm-hmm. and they did. Um, and, uh, yeah, Brooks is, Brooks is incredible. The thing for me that makes him so fascinating is that he makes mid match adjustments better than any 18 year old I think I've ever seen. Um, now maybe people catch up to him in, in that regard, but like right now, his Matt IQ is otherworldly to me in terms of kids right now in America.
2: Well, shoot, I mean, Exhibit A is that first match against Labriola. Now I don't know what specific adjustments he made, but it was not going his way, right? And he was down like six at one point. Yeah. yeah, he was down big, and he won by like four. It was like fourteen ten final. I mean, amazing, and I'm I'm curious, when have we seen Brooks in a an elite folk style tournament though that's what i'm i want to see i haven't seen him like has he ever wrestled as super 32
1: so that's what i was about to say so after he doubled up in fargo which is i think which i think kind of was his first big coming out party right when kind of people started for sure uh when he when he beat Be julian ramirez yeah. yep um he then went to to super 32 later that uh later that year and didn't place mm. now one of those losses i believe was to Brady Bergie. um but then he had, a, I believe, an unranked loss. So, um, no, folk style-wise, he does not have the same resume that he does freestyle-wise. But I think some of that will get mitigated within the next year and, and get cleaned up. And he'll just be so good on his feet that he can muddle his way through, for lack of a better word. Probably the
3: best. He won NHSCA four that's, times. Yeah. yeah. So
1: then that's the best folk style, style. tournament you're, yeah, win.
2: Okay, so that's... Yeah, I forgot about that.
1: Well, one last thing on Penn State. Um, they have to – I want Spay to to kind of do a, a data visualization of of mm. Willie's thing and and kind of something – like, I, I, I sketched it out yesterday. So, it's like this point of diminishing returns where Ohio State, Iowa, Penn State, Oklahoma State, Missouri, all those – you know, Cornell, all those schools can have a number one that gets you 20 to 25 points in A's. The thing is – that Penn State's two is better than everyone else's two, and their three is better than everyone else's three, and their four is better than everyone else's four. And they're like that coming in, as you can see, with Willie's recruiting rankings. I don't understand what they, you
2: – can you explain what you mean? So Their two is better they, than everyone else's two?
1: Yes. So, like, their second-highest point scorer is, uh-huh. like, 23 points. The, the the next team's number two is, like, 18 points. Mm. Right? And they come in like that. They, they come in – again, as you can see from, from Willie's ranking, they come in with the best recruits. And then they develop them really well, and so there's this like just this constant catching up that other teams have to do, um, and like they would need to have a catastrophic recruiting class, or completely punt on a year like they did in 2015 for for the the NC State situation to happen. And and they're they're so smart because they're even mitigating that with things like Beard and and Brooks Gray shirting and being smart with red shirts, um, and just being on guys early and, and targeting and. and not having a lot of misses. Now, again, I mean, at some point, the odds are you're going to miss. Yeah. But that means everyone else also has to hit 100%, and it's just like their margin for error is insane.
0: Yeah, the scary thing, I think, and the the X factor is when you're saying, you know, okay, maybe some teams catch up with Penn State, or maybe, you know, Penn State doesn't have that bonus point potential that um, they had in the past. It was like – and. you had to you had to think this way was that like when Taylor and Ruth were doing their thing and you you had to think that like okay, when they're done, then they'll come back down to earth yeah. and a, as good as Jason muf was, as good as Zane Rutherford was you, you couldn't have predicted the bonus points that they were going to put up in college. I mean you're right you know Zane. Zane beat Logan Steber about twelve months after he had to win an overtime match against Joey Galasso in the semifinals of power Right. Uh, you know, you couldn't you couldn't have seen that. And so Zayn and Nolf they go on and they do what they do and you're just kinda like, well, they were, you know, they were like number two and number five in the class. And so it kind of makes sense, you know, we're not surprised. Maybe not surprising, but you couldn't have predicted it. And so, um, okay, when when Taylor and Ruth leave, now they'll come back on Earth. Okay, yeah. when Ruth, or, when Zane and Nolf leave, okay, now they'll come back on Earth. But maybe there's this unforeseen thing like RBY becomes this massive point producer and Brady Berge becomes this massive point producer And you didn't see it
2: coming, but you're like, okay, it makes sense. Yeah, I'm back in. It's over. (laughs) Cancel it forever. What the heck? Yeah, I mean, Zane Rutherford wasn't turning anybody as a true freshman. And then he's the most dominant point scorer for three straight years in college wrestling. It's over. Just forget it. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Sorry, NC State fans. I just got your hopes up. It's not happening. Penn State forever. Crap. All right. Cancel NCAAs. All right. Um... A little, okay, we have a, we have a new segment. Normally our segments, we do them one time, and then we'll change the name or we won't do them for months. But we're just going to call this a segment. Kyle Brackey um, sources this. It's called Flaming Fireballs, Red Hot Takes from the Message Boards. And yeah. he, he looks at the boards, he finds the, the Scorchers, and uh, we're going to talk about them. So, Kyle, take it away.
3: So, this first one, it's not really too much of a Scorcher. Just mm-hmm. kind of wondering your guys' opinion. I think it's been about two weeks since the decision was made yeah. uh, to legalize gambling. Um, well, how do you guys feel about wagering on NCAA wrestling? I feel like I know the answer, but uh, let's talk about it for the people.
2: Well, it's really interesting that we somehow have not, I guess with Beat the Streets and World Team Trials, we haven't talked about the legalization of sports gambling, or, yeah, sports gambling uh, in America. And I don't. I, I don't know how I feel about it. Like it being widespread gambling on, on college wrestling. But then I think about, it, it's like, well, wait, everyone gambles on college football like crazy. Yep. So maybe what's the part of me is like, what's the big deal. And then everyone else, I think gambling has a major stigma around it. And I understand why yet at the same time, it's like, man, are there major college football scandals as a result of this? So I, I think people immediately go to like the worst case scenario. Like, match throwing and and rigged officiating i'm like really i i just don't think there's that much money in it right now uh in in college wrestling for it to be vulnerable to a scandal and if there was going to be a major gambling scandal will we not have seen it in college football at some point will we not have seen it in the i mean have we seen it in the nfl not to my
3: knowledge this
1: these
2: we did see it in pulp fiction these so, things are from the
1: fifties no. <laughs> and the sixties, and, and I guess what? there will still some in the eighties and nineties. But like, all any college sports scandal involving wagering is like, it's just so such a bygone era. And again, like you said, there's not enough, there's not enough money. Like, there, I, I'm sure there would be a, a, a spike, and that there would be money coming in on on legal and wagering for college wrestling, But it's not going to be enough where you'd be like. Oh wow, that was fishy. Yeah, don't see it happening.
2: Willie, get well, your I mean, takes off.
0: Where, um, where it could be mitigated is if they put limits. I'm, I'm talking specifically wrestling. Um, you know, there has been like offshore wagering on certain events a couple years ago. There was, you know, every so often for worlds or for NCAA's, but they. They they have um, they have maxes right like the max you can win is a hundred or max you can win is a thousand. So I don't I don't see um Drake Hudeschel throwing a semifinal match because he can somebody bet a thousand dollars on him and he's getting a payoff right? Uh, I, I don't think that's not going to happen.
2: I mean, um, why? Think about it like this, Willie. I mean, if you're into wrestling, why? I mean. Listen, you're clearly not in it for the money, right? Right. At, least at this point, it's like, but now you're going to make the NCAA's and you're going to start throwing stuff.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, it's not going to happen, and I don't think that the amount of money they're, they're going to have matches. So to, you know, it's not going to be life changing money. Um, number one, what, what, what I'm curious about is, and I'm looking at this strictly through wrestling man, man, right? But then they legalize sports betting in Pennsylvania and great, you can go to a casino and bet on the Celtics. Alright, that's that's fine. That's great. I don't really care to be honest with you. But what I wanted to see, and I think it's great for the sport and I think it's great for the engagement. Right, I mean look at the popularity of of the NFL when fantasy football comes around. Right and, and DraftKings and that kind of stuff that really gets you engaged. I mean, to be honest, and I think I'm not alone on this, is I watch the Kansas City Chiefs and the Pittsburgh Steelers because I have Priest Holmes on my team and Antonio Brown on my fantasy team. I don't watch it because I care what Iota about the Chiefs and the Steelers. Yeah. Right. So I might tune into a, I might turn into a Lehigh Fresno State match if I have. Gary and Cruz minus two and a half, <laughs> you know. Uh, so in that way, I, I, I think it's great for the sport. Um, but where I don't understand what's going to happen with the legalizing of sports betting is can I walk into a casino or or are these are there going to be shops set up on Main Street in all these states where you can go in? And you can bet on um, NC State minus four and a half at Duke. Yeah. Uh, no way. I, I don't know if that's the case.
2: It's not going to happen.
0: It's not going to happen.
2: No. You're, so you're not I not going to be able to would. go into 7-Eleven and bet the bet the UVA Tech match. It's just it's
0: right. Right. I wish it would. I wish yeah. it would. I wish I could. Be, I wish I could go down the street and uh, you know, like, a couple bucks on the Dayton fix Thomas Gilman series, but that's not where would happen. you put
2: your money, Willie?
0: Oh, well, that's what, this. that's what that's what we are going to get into
3: it. next. This is another message board topic, and great
0: segue.
3: Uh, uh, yeah, it is great segue. Uh, I like this one a lot. It's on thirty four and counting, which is Oklahoma State's it's, board. Th-
2: there's actually a new post.
3: Yeah, there's. I'm right. surprised
2: they're not talking about the Dayton fix Spencer Lee match so from 2015.
3: I got on there uh, Monday after you know Dayton had won, and there was nothing.
2: <laughs> but it's, I checked. I listen. checked last
3: night, and there's a thread called Dayton fix. Okay.
2: The the cyclone report has more. That's true. Has a more active fan base and message board than thirty four and counting, the Oklahoma State message board. It's yeah. really sad. It's. It's crazy. Oklahoma State, step it up.
3: But it's just called Dayton Fix. And then it says, does he have a chance to beat Thomas Gilman? So, uh one post said fifty fifty shot. Okay. Um, some said yes. Absolutely, I agree. What
2: do you guys think? Uh yeah. I think he unquestionably has a shot. I think I I love that it's best two out of three. I think that really that he'll get an opportunity. If it was like a one off, like we saw with Tony Ramos, I would say Um, certainly Gilman, but knowing that he'll get a couple cracks, I think you have to say, Dayton Fix is the better overall talent compared to um, Thomas Gilman at this point. Now, if if he's ready to win it right now, I can't say that for sure, but I think he is more talented. I think he is unquestionably more dynamic, right? I think he's shown he can withstand vicious hand fighting. He can stand in there and not get beat up. Now, Gilman is a different deal here. We saw Gilman move around Tony Ramos uh, a year ago. So there's there's an uptick in physicality associated with wrestling Thomas Gilman. But I think, yeah, Dayton Fix for sure can win this match. And, you know, if someone told me he was the favorite going in, I, I don't know if I would push back there. Willie, really, I don't know where, where you fall in the Dayton-Gilman dynamic, or if you're going to sit uh, square on the fence. I,
0: I would pick Dayton. Um the only thing that, I I think he's more dynamic. If we see the Dayton fix that's offensive, like uh, we saw against Ramos, I mean, I think Dayton went out in the U.S. Open um, and he he felt him. You said it on the last show. I think he felt him. He he, kind of got that experience. And then it was very visible. It was very apparent that he was going to go out there and be offensive at World Team Charles. And I think if he does that against Gilman, he'll win. Now, the only thing is, while, it's, while it was really cool and it's a really great talent to kind of that European limp-like step out of the takedowns, you almost feel like Gilman's going to capitalize on one of those, though, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that completely. He and so,
0: and, and then Gilman's maybe a little dangerous on top.
2: Uh, is he? No, I don't think so. Don, uh, I don't know. Nomad, you can clap back there, but I, I just don't think we've Gilman wins takedowns, step outs, counters, um, not much of a top game. But like par, Parterre, I think we said this last show. I don't want to completely rehash, but he basically doesn't get turned either. So yeah. it's like just basically right. net even Parter. But if if Dayton can turn him, um, that's huge.
1: I have been pushing well maybe not pushing, but like I have been kind of on this narrative that, uh, Gilman is having a little bit of regression to the mean. Um, I think he, he may performed above what he theoretically should have at worlds last year. I think he had a good draw and then took advantage of a good draw and wrestled really well. Um, and, and then I think since then, you know, he's kind of maybe come back to, um, instead of being the second best guy in the world, maybe like the fourth or fifth best guy in the world, which is still obviously amazing and still obviously can get you Who was on the
2: Japanese guy's side that you think that he avoided that you think would have beaten him last year? Because I really oh. thought 57 was not very <coughs> strong last year.
1: I don't necessarily think it was that the Japanese guy, uh, Yuki Takahashi, beat anyone necessarily better. I'd need to pull it up. Um, I think there wasn't necessarily – like the Azeri, uh, Edishishvili, who Gilman lost to at World Cup, should have been there. Um, that's as I'm just completely screwed up there. Um, normally, we see a better Russian at, at, at 57. Um, you know, they'd seen Lebedev. I don't know that and, we're and going to, to. No, no. But I'm saying normally, like yeah. normally at 57, we see a guy who is tougher, a tougher out than. Um,
2: but my question for you is this: with. For Russia at 57, are we are they going to see almost like we've seen at heavyweight for them? Like they struggled to find a guy. They keep going back to Makov because they just don't have options at 57. Are they going to be like I feel like 61 to 74? They're always just going to be out of this world good. But who if, is it? You go yeah, yeah Who's going to be there? 57. Are, are we really feeling confident that they're going to be good there and have a, a legit national title contender? Are, th- are we going to or not t- national title world title contender?
1: Um, no, I don't think go is a national is a world title contender. <laughs> despite the fact that I picked him last year, that was completely stupid on my part. I got totally hoodlinked. Um, Real quick, looking at the the bracket, um, Takahashi's bottom side was was way tougher. He had uh, Erdina Bhatt, Suleiman Atli, Lamtadze, who is the the guy that Stever beat in the finals in 2016, Uh, Sandeep Tomar, Vladimir Dubov, who is a two-time medalist. Um, And then again, you look at like 57 in Rio versus 57 in in 2017, no Kinche, no Aliev, no YBR, So it's just a a, a different field. I think it's going to be a tougher field this year, and and I think both Gilman and Fix are approximately. um, I think they're pretty even, and and I think they'll they'll have pretty even performances. I think they both can medal. Um, I think they can both be beaten by only a handful of guys. um, You know, the top three, four, five guys. So, yes, Gilman, uh, Taden Fix absolutely has a chance to beat Thomas Gilman and his. He doesn't have a lack of a leg attack but his his Gilman's leg attacks are better and I I don't know if it's gonna matter, which is just a testament I, to, to Dayton.
3: I think Dayton is just getting better and better on his feet with his leg attacks and he said that in his interview afterwards. He's like, you know, it's really but I've been working on he even admitted that he always hasn't had that go to leg attack. Mm-hmm. Um and I think we saw it, man, with that double. He even got in on a single on Ramos. Um now finishing is a different story. Right. Um, but still I, I think he's just getting better and better in that area. So <laughs> excuse me, sorry about we that. We wanna take a look at uh the last one here. Now this one it was on the Hawkeye report and it's a, it is the fireball red hot take uh, that this segment is all about. Yes. And it was like titled something about Northwestern's gonna be top ten next year and compete Ooh. with Iowa. And then it ran down through their their lineup. And uh, I don't think the lineup's accurate. Oh, this is, this is a
2: Northwestern fan.
3: As Oh, I'm
2: sure. Re- it, no, the, the handle is wrestler never dies as a cat fan. All right. So, all right, there you go. Obviously. That's a very good um, now, dude, this I don't.
0: This dude has quickly, he's quickly become a sensation. Oh, really?
2: <laughs> Can you talk about his meteoric rise, Willie?
0: Uh, he was non-existent. He was not existent a year ago, and then all of a sudden, he is very prolific on the Hawkeye board, and the the home members, the Iowa fans that are on the Hawkeye board, they just laugh at him, dismiss him. He has some, it's just ridiculous. And as is this ridiculous take, and I, frankly, it's surprising that we haven't brought him up yet. Actually, <laughs> you know. Willie. He, he is a
2: He's a gem. <laughs> All right, here's here's the thing. Wrestler never dies as a Cat fan. It's as, as ridiculous. As, yeah, I don't think Northwest is going to be top 10, but his assessment of every weight is not that far off, well, except he doesn't even know that he didn't get the moment that Ryan Deacon's moving up, and he can't spell yeah, any other. names. He
3: can't but, spell any of their names. My favorite is at uh, 97, Zach Draconis. He plays Zach Cajonis. <laughs> Big co- big is, he doing, Jack well, is he doing a very then, subtle
2: mud flap right now?
3: Yeah, is this what this no, is? No,
0: this guy's dead serious. <laughs> so then, he list, hold on. He was Zach Zach Chaconis as Zach Cajonis, I mean, was Conan Jennings as Connor Jennings? Connor Jennings, but he's a cat fan, <laughs> and wrestler never
2: dies as a cat fan. He doesn't know one of the coolest first names in wrestling is a guy named Conan
1: who's a heavyweight. He's more about telling than spelling, Christian. Come on.
2: I know, but how do you? How, I is, mean. This, no, that's he not, nailed. when you say Connor Jennings, you didn't misspell Co- Conan. <laughs> you don't know that his name's Conan. That's the, that's the <laughs> difference here. He doesn't
0: know his name's Conan.
3: Yeah. Yeah, he spelled Listen, Valdivia's
2: right? Yeah, nails yeah, Valdivias. Nailed, Valdivia's. Which I cannot spell, right? He
0: nailed Valdivia. He nailed Zion Thomas, but he spelled Jameson Oster wrong.
2: <laughs> I can this guy might be... He
0: put Oyster.
2: I think he's probably 56 <laughs> years old. I think he's just older. <laughs> he put Oyster. He put Oyster. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, I'm... Uh, although, I really kind of like this lineup. I think it's a Johnny Sebastian
3: makes 65? Wait, yeah.
2: What are you doing to Johnny... He is Sa- huge. Have yeah. you seen those arms? Yeah. That guy, there's no way he's getting those biceps <laughs> down to 65. Wrestler Debra dies as a cat fan.
1: <laughs> Look, this, this is a this is completely ridiculous spelling... Uh, Storniel is do, doing a very good job, right? Yeah. I, I think I think uh, cat fans a little high on on, on Northwestern. A use few, maybe a few
3: years too soon. Yeah. Wrestler <laughs> never dies. As a cat fan, is a little maybe a little early here with <laughs> Northwestern, but I think they are doing a
1: good job. Yeah. Look, Rivera very solid. Deacon very solid, right? Um, I like Jack Jessen. Yeah, yeah. Am I on on an island He also misspelled
3: that name, too. Yeah. No,
1: no. Justin's very good. He also mentioned Tyler Moreland, who's um, pretty underrated. But, yeah, maybe a little early, Wrestler Never Dies as as a Cat fan.
2: So maybe not top ten, but we'll say top five.
1: Yeah. I would say top (laughs) one. Also, uh, a motion to change
2: Zach Cajones' name
1: to (laughs) Cajones.
2: Zach Cajones. I'm sorry, Zach. That's what your name is now, (laughs) and you just need to accept it. Um, So that's a pretty good – those are pretty strong takes. All right, we never, a lot of things we didn't get to that I think are super important. One, transfer news on the Edinburgh front Sean Russell to Minnesota, which is a very nice one year stopgap that lets them redshirt Pat McKee, which I wasn't sure if they needed to do. I'm now, I now think that's exactly what Patrick needs. I think he needs a year in the room to, one, get a little bigger, but also the seasoning that comes with wrestling a year uh, at 125 at Minnesota. But then, two, Christian, yo.
0: Why wouldn't he... Isn't it surprising he
2: wouldn't go to West Virginia? Yes. Well, no. Because... Oh yeah, because Zeke... I was like, no, because they have Zeke Boise, but Zeke Boise left. He's going to Nebraska. Yeah. I'm getting everything mixed
3: up now. I, yeah, I was surprised when I learned he wasn't even considering them. And I don't
2: think gear did either. Dakota gear, which yeah. is kind of weird. Kind of weird, but maybe it's just like, all right, I did that with them. Let's see what else... what else is out there. I heard Russell really wanted big 10 and um, it is factually accurate that West Virginia is not in the big 10. So that could play a factor. Mm -hmm. And then for gear, I think, man, Oklahoma, you you get the opportunity to go to a national title contender, a powerhouse. You can um, be coached by John Smith. I think that's a draw for Dakota gear. And you get to train with someone like Chris Perry on a regular basis. Um, you know, I think it I think it makes sense, and he's a
1: great fit there as well. So, yeah, uh, I don't think they were terribly happy with Keegan Moore this year 184. What tipped you off there? <laughs> <laughs> For me, it was when
3: John
2: Smith said he was half pissed off at him. <laughs> <laughs> when John Smith, and here's the thing, when John Smith is half pissed at you, it's worse than anyone else being 100% pissed <laughs> yeah, <that's> <laughs> <true>. <laughs> I'm like, that's like, I've never, uh, I've hardly even spoken to John Smith, but I'm just certain that that's, that's true. You do not want him in any way pissed off at you. Um so for Oklahoma State, man, does that? They are so good next year. They are so good next year and it's funny, we've been talking about this 125 situation for Oklahoma <laughs> State for like a year. Guys, Dayton Fix is going 25 next year. That's like what he's saying. That's like what they think is going to happen. I, I know. Here's the thing. I don't know if Oklahoma State staff is like I don't know if they're on the same page necessarily because, like, I think they very much would prefer him go 33, but, man, I don't know. It sounds like Dayton wants to go 125, and that's what's going to happen, and it kind of messes up their lineup, but I guess it's like, hey, this is the way I want to go. Now, for Nick Pichinini, what does that mean? I don't know, but either way, there's, I guess, two potential lineups they could... Well, there's a lot of variability, but like they can go the twenty five thirty three with pitch Dayton, which makes sense, and then you go Kate at forty one and Boo or someone else at forty nine.
3: But they have so many different combinations from thirty-three to like fifty seven they could roll
0: out. Yeah. They really they really did. need a fifty they really need a fifty seven. The problem is I mean you have Caden. You have Caden there and whoever they if they move Caden the or we're boo up, they're gonna be undersized. I don't know. They have a lot of good kids but they're not, I don't know if they can stretch the 57.
3: they Yeah, they're not gonna have a true 57. It's gonna be someone, either a like Geo or a Boo or even a Caden that they have to bump up.
2: Yeah, I don't know why I had this dream that they had like a transfer or something come in it that way, but that didn't happen. That no. no. was just dream, Christian. Yeah. Okay.
1: And, and going back, if you guys haven't been paying attention, obviously Joseph Smith redshirted this year Um, which I think kinda surprised a lot of people. And I look, if he makes fifty seven, he won't be an all American this year. I think it'll be too tough of a cut for him. It's nothing to do with Joseph's wrestling ability. I just think that's too tough a pull for him at this point in his career.
0: Yeah. Joe? Joe's not
1: wrestling fifty
2: seven. He is a large individual. He's a large individual. He is
1: much bigger than his father. Well yeah. Absolutely not wrestling fifty (laughs) seven.
2: Is he going to go? Well, where does he go? I think 74. He's, gonna, he's going 65. 65. Well, is Chandler Rogers going down?
0: Will he? I don't
2: know. Well, it sounds like you don't know. I mean, what are they going to oh, do? He's, he's, he's 100% not going 57. He's 100% not going 57, but what? They have Chandler
1: Rogers and Jacoby Smith. It's very likely that for the second year in a row, they will have two All Americans not competing for them.
3: They have eight on their roster right now. like Eight kids that have been All-Americans before. Dang. Not counting Dayton and they're, Fix. They're not going to get them all in their lineup again.
0: Yeah. Not counting Dayton well, Fix. Well, yeah. And if Caden if if beats out Boo, that's another
3: one.
2: What did you do? Oh, my yeah. gosh.
3: What is going on? And we're not even, like, I mean, we've talked about him a little bit, but, I mean, for the most part, we're just like, yeah, I was second.
1: Right. But...
2: but Maybe
1: not. <laughs> yeah, I think part of it we're saying I was second because we feel much more solid about what their lineup will look like right compared to Oklahoma State. I
2: don't know if it's that, I just think they've just got higher end firepower there. Spencer Lee is going to score over 25 points at NCAs. Yep. I think Vicka Warner can win a title next year. <coughs> um, Fair. Michael Kimmer outside the top three at any weight, even if he goes up to 74, I think is right where he pencils in. Marinelli's going to be top four. You- for sure, Marinelli continues to improve. Um, Austin DeSanto is going to the best lightweight room Forgot in the country. DeSanto. Max Murin looks awesome. Max Murin snapped Sammy Sasso on his face in a way I've never seen Sammy Sasso snapped. Yes. It was unbelievable. I think Max Murin is – and Pat Lugo, right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I'm higher on Pat Lugo than maybe some. I think I said he, he's a title contender. I, I believe that. The stool is going to be a straight fire this year. <laughs> oh my gosh, Oklahoma. yeah, that's going to be amazing. Your case for Lugo...
0: I mean, Sam not
2: worse than four. Right, as yeah. so long as stool stays healthy, that's the only thing derailing him from a top five finish. Cash Wilkie down to 84.
1: I like yeah, Cash Wilkie.
3: Yeah,
2: cash is money.
1: Uh Your case for Lugo comes from 66 kilo trials last year, 2017, when he went through that gauntlet, and obviously lost to Deacon, but he went through a freaking war to get there. That's
2: not my only case for him. That's among the cases. I mean, well, he, that's, beat that's a he beat, beat Sorensen. Yes. Accurate. Um. Uh, I just see a Did lot he of potential there. James
1: Kolodzic this year at Midlands.
2: I don't know or if Deacon. he beat
1: Kolodzic. you beat one of them at Midlands this
2: year. That that 149 Midlands bracket was silly. There was yes. like a lot of crazy stuff going on there with Sertis. I think Sertis beat Kolodzic, Maybe I don't know. We can't. I yeah, Casertis made the finals. Yes,
1: upset uh, Sorensen.
2: Wait, mm-hmm. what? Did you say Casertis upset Sorensen?
1: Made the finals opposite. Okay. Sorensen. All right. I almost, I almost got really confused there.
2: Okay. Uh, it's eight fifty nine. Should we start getting to questions? Is there anything else we should we should get to? Jason Renneria transferring from Nebraska. A lot of, a lot of Big Ten buzz. Like he wants to go somewhere in the Big Ten. I don't know. Yes, the city year if he does that. Not necessarily. No, but it was it was
3: well, I would just be surprised if he did that because it was in the release that he was free to transfer anyone outside the Big 10.
2: Yeah, I I just think more and more that fight is going to be a losing <laughs> battle for the schools. I I think Willie, I don't know if you have any intel there, but I think yeah, they can say that, but Penn State also said it. Yeah. And it got thrown out, and I think the momentum uh Barta even said, "Hey, it's gonna get to where it's gonna be free transfer to anywhere," and uh, I think you can see that with with Jason Reneria. I I don't know I don't know where he's looking. I don't know if we have any intel. Yeah, there. maybe
0: we're getting to a point. Maybe we're getting to a point right now where they're. I mean, they're just not fighting. It's like, let him go. It's not a rule yet, but they're like, we're not doing this. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that.
2: So we'll see where where uh, Jason. Hey, Willie. Yeah. Andrew Beriesa on multiple occasions has asked, why is Ty Smith not on the senior big board? Can you explain yourself for Andrew, please? Uh,
0: I mean, he won Fargo last year at 113. I think he took a loss somewhere along the line in folk style. Is this I this know.
2: year's Drew Matten? I mean, he could be. He could be. Andrew, this, he falls under the uh, Drew Matten clause. <laughs> so we're just going to go with I that.
0: Mean, Well, I mean, if you
2: want, if you want to say he's ninety eight, fine by me. I don't know. He's ninety eight. All right, now he's he's top one hundred now. There's just a hundred and one in the top one hundred, Andrew. But he's ninety eighth. Yeah. Okay. To the questions. There's one that, for the first time ever. Hey, Nomad, did you listen to FRL Tuesday?
1: Um,
2: It's okay if you didn't.
1: Yeah, I I somewhat listened to it.
2: He somewhat listened to it. Did you listen to the questions section?
1: I um, somewhat listened to the
2: question section. Okay, so do you know what question is coming? This is Never a you yes or no. This, yeah, does he, yeah, this is not a complicated question, Nomad. It's one or the other. Somewhat listen, did you or did you not? Anyways, well I'll just get to it because I'm not trying to understand your perspective now because everything's cryptic with you. <laughs> okay, Casey Kreider, Denver Bronco, that's a football team, asks Wrestling runs in the family. In your opinion, what separates families slash brothers' dual success? Brands Williams, Perry Brothers, or greater disparity, Valencia, St. John, Dake, etc. No disrespect to anyone, but curious to your thoughts. Why do some brothers pan out and some brothers don't?
1: It's 100% mental. It's mental? It's 100% mental. Well, it's definitely <laughs> not about, 100% okay, mental. Okay, it's not 100% mental. But think about, he, but think he already it, changed it. No, sure, it's not 100% he mental, but it's mostly living. mental. Think about, think about two uh, current sophomores. One of whom was an all-American and one of whom was not, and they did the same things growing up physically. One is probably even a better athlete than the other, and use their names. Use their names. The Valencias.
2: The Valencias. I, I will agree. I think in some instances it's mental. I think you almost have to say that it is mental with Anthony Valencia, because I would agree with you that at least as a senior in high school. That guy had way more point scoring potential. He's a far more dynamic scorer, whereas Zahid was a defensive specialist in a way who won the gritty matches, which was maybe something that should have been a sign that this kid's going to be special. And I mean, we knew he was going to be great, right? But, man, Anthony was the number one pound-for-pound kid in the country going into that match against Mark Hall. He had tech followed Isaiah Martinez twice. So I think, I think in some cases it is mental, but... Don't, would you not agree that in some cases like there's just a different a physiological not, difference?
1: Yeah I mean if guys not get mental. if guys get hurt but I mean like what who are the physiological differences? Like yes I mean okay injuries Did anyone Kyle that gets Dake. injured
2: is I hear I I to you Kyle Dake is a better athlete than his brother Cory. Sure,
1: sure but Kyle Dake also won fewer state titles than NCAA titles so Kyle Dake also developed into that how mm-hmm.
0: became that
1: yeah how didn't start that
0: do you think so you think that kevin snyder isn't what kyle is because of mental
1: stuff i mean i think kyle snyder has the greatest mental game we've ever seen is and i don't wrong. Think,
2: jordan burroughs <clears throat>
1: no jordan, yes okay fine okay fine snyder's two whatever Damn. snyder and burroughs are one two um and i kyle snyder loves the sport more than anyone um i think kevin is is i mean he's probably number three of of his brothers which means he's still a division one wrestler you know his brother steven was also division one wrestler and there's just a a a different level of commitment and love for the sport that that i don't think it's that dude no No. way that is not true but i think part of that's that's part of that part of developing your part developing your body you guys knew you were getting this
2: kind of answer
1: well, I you know, but
2: now I'm mad. <laughs> Listen, Kyle Snyder <laughs> has a diff was given a different body than his brother. Now, there's no question that at this point he's more dedicated. But
1: sure, but he also worked his ass off to develop that. Body. Yeah. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa.
2: Yeah. Watch the watch the A bombs, yeah. dude. Jeez. It's family programming. I actually met a I wish I remember his name. A seven year old kid came up to me, or maybe he was eight, at a world team trials, and said so he listens to every FRL. And then he made me like quiz him. His dad had me quiz him oh, on like all these. He's like ask him an NCAA champion, and I gave him one, and he like knew it like pretty quick. So he that
0: is awesome. Where was he from?
2: Um, the United States. <laughs> I don't know beyond that. Probably the Midwest. I think Minnesota. Um, but anyway, yeah. But Kevin, no, I I, I really think that it's a combination, a combination of the two. Okay. Sure,
1: but you're also sure, but you're also then getting into and okay, I guess there's degrees to everything, <clears throat> but you're also getting into like yes some people are just aliens like Mm -hmm. like yeah sure you can't you can't necessarily inherit alien genes and i think kyle is obviously super duper alien but a lot of these brothers are close ish enough that they are in that very 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 high one percent that that's division one all-american caliber and they kind of diverge in part because of mental stuff love of the sport
2: um, I commitment. just I just don't think it's that with the Snyder brothers. I think they're all like extremely dedicated like dudes. Like they're all like, you know, they got into West Point and all this stuff. I I just don't
1: I just don't see it that way. Yeah, Kevin Steven are awesome. Just Kyle's a different whole different animal.
2: Yeah. Okay, who is the baddest boy in town? Nomad <laughs> or Bratky?
1: This Someone- this is a strange question. <laughs>
2: the ass Vladimir Magomay Madoff. Yeah. So Vlad the Impaler wants to know who's the baddest boy in town. State your case, <laughs> it's, it's, or or be a deferring. It's, it's Bracky. Wow, you just yeah. deferred. Yeah. Which actually proves his point. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I would fight to be. I'm. I'm bad. Than bracky both you. would beat me in a wrestling match. Therefore, he's that doesn't mean he's town. the baddest boy in town. Baddest boy in town. Is that how
2: you define your manhood?
1: I mean, yes. That's how. <laughs> that's how I'm going. That's how I'm going to define it.
2: He defines it in wrestling ability. That's not good. Okay. Um, we've answered that question. Okay, here's another question. No man, we're putting you on the hot seat today. Okay. Would you rather wrestle Adam Kuhn, Dayton Fix, or Frank Molinaro? Each has upsides <laughs> and downsides to wrestling in Might be Actually, this is a pretty easy question. Frank Molinaro.
3: What? That is the la- that's the no, no, that's not that is the word. That was a person I would not choose. I'd rather wrestle Adam Coon than Frank Molinaro. Uh,
2: definitely you should <laughs> much rather wrestle Dayton Fix than yeah. any of these guys. Dayton Um yeah, it's gonna hurt, but it's gonna be short-lived and he's 125
1: pounds. It's not gonna hurt. Well, it. I thought we were kind of disregarding weight there. Like, Why so would we... you disregard <laughs> weight? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm about... You if... have
2: to wrestle them. You oh, have to wrestle saying... them whatever they weigh. I'm Why would you disregard
1: this, that? This hypothetical, like, there's no, there's no situation in which no, I would actually you, have to no, wrestle too.
2: No, no, it's you. Who would you rather wrestle? Oh, well, then, then, then it's step... a stupid
1: question. And of course it's date and fix. I'm 120, 130 pounds. I am interpreting this question as though I am that weight. I am that weight class
2: no no. well it's, then it's, it's state
1: and fix well then it's just which, which 57 would you least like to wrestle which 57 kids would you least like to wrestle what that's a poor question should have asked that tough. yeah, yeah Molinaro, CTE for life so yeah man.
2: dude Molinero is, is the best clubber of all time I mean it's it's brutal um, man him and Pico was just like uh, five eight, matches 18 of, minutes of just like punches and they both like loved it no um, six times there was like six times that year that's crazy Okay, um, other questions that we want to get to. Um, is Kirkfleet versus Snyder going to be a rivalry in the
1: future? No. They're going to be different weights.
2: Are they going to be different weights? Yes. So you don't, you don't think Kirkfleet could hold 213, 215,
1: whatever it is? I don't, think, I don't think he will. I don't think he should. Um, I mean, the plan is for him to go 110 right now in, in Akron. The plans for him to be a heavyweight in college. Now, I know obviously Ty Walls and Kyle Snyder were both heavyweights and are 97 kilo. Um, I also think that <coughs> Kirk Fleet's a third year cadet, so he'll be 17 this year. Kyle's 22. I mean, I know Kyle's theoretically going to go forever, but like, yes. Kyle will be 28 and Kirk Fleet's 23, 22. Um, so I don't think, no.
2: No. What say don't you, Willie?
0: Oh, I think, yeah, I think Kirk Lute's going to be a
2: heavyweight. Dang. Um, some people, I don't he's know if you guys saw. I had an he's taller than game. Gable. He's taller than Gable. Yeah, he's big. He's got, if he decides he wants to be a full-size heavyweight. And cowboy bulk job. Oh, my gosh. We haven't even factored in the cowboy bulk job. He's going to be cutting to make heavyweight eventually. <laughs> it's going to be out of this world. Um, very Dumb Mark asks, is it named Final X because the X makes it sound cooler? Yes. It does sound cooler. Duh. Obviously. We got all our marketing schemes from the 90s. Come on. Yeah. Um, what are realistic expectations for a program like Little Rock's first season? Um,
1: <laughs> Two dual Mead wins and an NCAA qualifier. Yeah. Like, Get someone to the show. Yeah.
3: Get
2: someone to the show. That's what I would say. And that's Fresno, gonna be,
3: Fresno got one. Fresno yeah, did, one. but it's Olivas. like.
2: Here's the thing. Fresno is in a amazing wrestling yeah. hotbed. Yeah. You right. just get Fresno guys to go there. I don't, the Little Rock scene is slightly different than Fresno, it California. It's going to be a lot more tough. I, I think they, they need to be getting the Missouri, the Oklahoma guys. They need to be poaching those guys. The, the second-tier guys that would be going to Oklahoma State, or even the third-tier guys, if you can get those guys, it's going to be really good. And everyone, I, they still don't have a coach yet, but... It's going to be someone with those
1: Oklahoma State ties, almost assuredly, right? You're on the mat. Expectations for Little Rock should be completely tempered for like five years. What, yes. in my opinion, what Little Rock should focus on for for these first five years is um, building a building a brand, right? A, a social media brand, a, a, hmm. an idea to, to what they want, building fan engagement, right? It's, you know, maybe not selling outdoors, depending on how big their gym is, but getting butts in the seats, right? Um, getting people to to want to follow the program and see the program and then maybe some recruits start coming in, right doing very well in the classroom um good community engagement right doing community service hours just like these little guys, things that are like
2: it, Is anyone else woke on nomad currently pitching himself for the position <coughs> right now that sounds like you are sitting across so from the
1: ad i uh oh no so i, I Don't inform the guys i inform the guys uh oh jeez andrew spay will be taking over as uh Arkansas Little Rock head coach, and I am his associate head coach. Oh my
2: gosh, you're gutting our program.
1: However... I'm not giving you a release. However, <laughs> we love Austin so much that we're not going to move there. We're going to run all practices via Skype, um, and uh, we'll, we'll be telecommuting uh, 357 days a year. Wow.
2: Okay, <laughs> that's going to be tough, but congrats, congrats. Okay, uh, anything else before we go? 9:12 here. Time to go.
1: Uh, can we, at some point then maybe I shouldn't even mention this, but at some point we mentioned this true third issue.
2: Let's talk about it right now. Okay. True thirds are quite an issue um, for, so if you don't know, to make the national team for the United States of America, you have to be top three, okay? That is not determined at this point because whoever made the finals, if they didn't wrestle someone, there's a couple instances like Tony Ramos, for example, where he didn't wrestle the next guy, like he didn't wrestle Sanders at the trials, Therefore, whatever, He's, they, him and Sanders have to wrestle for true third. The problem is the travel and all the things associated with being third place and going to final X Bethlehem, which is where these matches are gonna take place, is not, t- it's not worth it financially. You can make that much in a camp one weekend as it would cost you to go and it, the, the financial package is lesser if you're third on the ladder. So Tony Ramos says, I'm not going. I don't – Zach Sanders, you are true third. You can take the stipend, go make the wait. It's not worth it to me when I can be just going to a a camp or just staying home. It's worth it to me just to not go. I save more money by not going than going. So I don't know what the solution is for this true – for the true third debacle, whether it's, hey, let's just say we'll have it at a a camp. You know, everyone goes to the OTC camps, right, and you just do them there, and it's not – doesn't have the fanfare et cetera, that it, it would normally but you get the matches done and it's kind of a, like simultaneous pursuit of multiple objectives right you're getting the camp in you're also a determined national team we saw that with university trials back in 2014 mcdonough nation wrestled yep. um kilgore versus someone um so we could maybe see it like that um but yeah i get why tony and others are like man i know austin Schaefer's in this scenario <coughs> where and he's hurt, so he might not even be he's able to do it. You know? Right, exactly like that. And these clubs are having to like foot the bill, and it's a big expense because you have to send a coach and you have to get a training partner there, and it's a couple of days and three flights round trip, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The costs add up, and the benefit, yeah, okay. So let's say Austin Schaefer goes and he wins, and that's good for Austin Schaefer. But regardless, Coach Guerrero and that training partner, they're not getting anything out of it other than hey, my athlete made the national team. So. Um I do understand where they're coming from. I don't know what the solution is. Willie, I don't know if you have any thoughts here on the true third situation for Team USA.
0: Well, I mean I think I mean I understand where Tony is coming from, I guess. Um he's a veteran, he's been there, he's done that. To me it is an honor to be on the national team. To me there is benefits to it. Um you know, if I'm, a, if I'm a younger guy that's never been on the national team, um, I want to I wanna go to the camps. I want to go on tours. I want to, uh, you know, you get, get gigs on the World Cup roster. Um, I want to compete in that. I want to be a part of that process. Now, Tony's, Tony's a veteran, right? you know. Maybe that's not that attractive to him. Um, so I get his point of view, but if that's his point of view, then – Somebody else is third. I don't
1: think you need to scrap the system or even change the system. So, uh, I real quick want to run through what the what the matchups would be and then kind of my take on it. Um, so, 57, Tony Ramos versus Zach Sanders. 97, Austin Schaefer versus Ty Walls. 65, Jay Nyman versus Andy Simmons. 86, Richard Perry versus Pat Downey, the third. 59... Uh, Kelsey, and this is on the women's side. Fifty nine Kelsey Campbell versus Lauren Louive. Sixty eight Yvonne Galindo versus Alex Gladay, and fifty three Cody Fowl versus Gabriel Wyrick. Um, so, Cody Fowl, Cody Fowl. Cody Bickley is a tremendous resource in USA Wrestling and has to deal with a lot of the USOC um, upper level stuff that um, kind of regular wrestling fans will think about. And um, I, I really want to get a good conversation with him in, in Akron about this. Um, But essentially, I I think what what they got wrong or or maybe um, should at least consider for next year is that if if there's a Final X situation like Tony Ramos, for example, he won the U.S. Open, and he already beat Zach Sanders at the U.S. Open, that if you're the U.S. Open champ, you get to buy the World Team Child's Finals. The lowest you can get is third, and you just should not have to do a true third. Um, And then also maybe they need to consider uh, just allowing that best of three to – to have a, a, a match after that, right? So you, you would have Jaden Ironman wrestle Andy Simmons after that, and I know that creates another weigh-in for Andy Simmons, so that's a whole other issue. Um, or, but in that case, then you would have the the third place, the, the placing matches wrestled the next day, um, or you just, you just do away with the true thirds, and you just, you know, if you lose, then you don't get that, that opportunity to have a, a, a true third. Um,
0: no, that's
1: stupid. I mean, that's how UW does you dub should it. Be. You should
0: be... You shouldn't make the national team based on where you randomly fell in the bracket.
1: It's not where you randomly fell in the bracket, Willie. It's it's based on your it's based on your accomplishment during the year of the, the US Open and, and Dave Schultz and, and, no, and Bill Farrell not, overseas. The
0: only people that are the only people that are wrestling each other are people that didn't hit yet.
2: Well they hit I mean Tony That's not Ramos, true. Tony, Ramos Tony Ramos wrestled Zach Sanders at the US Open. Austin Schaefer wrestled Ty Wells at the US Open. A lot yeah. of these matches happen.
0: Okay, then 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 have that be a clause. Clause. Right. If, they, if if you hit
1: at the U.S. Open, then you got the spot. Got it. Especially if you win the U.S. Open in final, and where there's a medalist sitting, you should just automatically be third, in my opinion. Yeah. Sure. I should be on board with
2: that. He's on board with that. Um, I'm on board with departing right now. Yes. For all on board with that. Um, we're gonna deplane. We're gonna deplane. But not without first a big hearty thank you to Asics. Thank you to Asics. For your support of Flow Wrestling Radio Live, for your support of wrestling and wrestlers, making great wrestling apparel like shoes and shirts and probably other things. Hats? An
1: A6 hat on right now? An A6 hat.
2: Mm. He paid good money for that hat. And uh, (coughs) thanks a lot. And HSCA Duels.
1: Oh, yeah. Live this weekend starting Saturday, run through Memorial Day Monday.
2: Happy Memorial Day.
1: Andrew Spade and Oliver Stone will be there. It's uh, Upset Playground every year. It's like 88 ranked guys or something. That's a lot. Make sure you're watching. It's
2: a lot. Thanks, guys. We'll be back next Tuesday, come heck or high water. Thanks, Willie. Talk to you later, bud. Thanks, guys.